Hey everyone, welcome to Catfish Weekly. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know we missed last week due to some illnesses. Uh, we still got a few illnesses going going around through the Catfish Weekly crew here, but uh, we got Chuck Davidson with us and myself, Chris Wallace, aka FUD. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about um, getting started into tournament catfishing, um, basically some boat rigging, some live wells, uh, things that you know might be the the basics getting started into. I'm going to a little bit of some advanced stuff or some better stuff to keep keep the catfish alive or whatnot. Um, this this uh, topic was uh, asked for by Seth McAllister on on the Catfish Weekly Facebook page. So Seth, I know this isn't everything that you were wanting to get covered, but uh, we're just going to try to cover a few things at a time when we can. So. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Chuck and let him get started on talking a little bit about some boat rigging, and then I might jump in there a little bit and we'll talk about the boat rigging to start it off. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, if you um, if you decide you want to go out and get in a catfish tournament, uh, it really don't cost a whole lot of money. You just uh, you know if you don't have your rod holders already, which is you know usually a must. Um, you know, go out and get what you think you need. Um, along with mounts, good rod holders will probably cost you about, you know, $30 a piece. Um, you know, get you four or six of those. Um, get you a live well uh, that's going to accommodate the fish in the body of water that you're going to be fishing in. If you're going to be fishing the Tennessee River, you're going to need at least a I would say a hundred gallon stock tank because um, you're going to be catching large blue catfish. Uh, in Alabama you can have two over 34 inches and most tournaments is a five fish limit and you'll have three under 34. You know, so if you got a couple of 50 pound fish, uh, wouldn't, it, that's not very hard to do on the Tennessee River and you get a uh, three about 20 pounds. <clears throat> that, that'll take up a lot of room um, but if you're going uh, going to fish a channel cat tournament or you know some flatheads thrown in the mix uh, you, you might not need but about a 60 gallon stock tank or a um, a large uh, rubber made container or maybe a 150 quart uh, cooler um, along with that you'd probably need a uh, couple of pumps, uh, one to pump out, one to pump in, uh, to you know to keep the water fresh, keep some oxygen and some bubbles in the water. <clears throat> I also use this small little um, bait tank pump. It's just a little fray bill pump. It just puts a little bit of uh, bubbles in the water, but um, on real hot days. Uh, when the water temperature's up, you know, 90, 95 degrees, which isn't very hard down here in the south, it's uh, the the water, you know, depletes the oxygen really quick, and you need all the help you can get. So I hang a couple of those off into my tank. Um, I don't have stones or anything like that in my tank, so uh, that'll help a lot. I just rig my uh, live well up um, like a regular bait tank in a boat. I have a uh, drain tube on the inside of my live well and I just put whatever length PVC pipe in it 
on um, whatever height I want my water to be in the live well. Uh, so my tank's 24 inches tall. If I want a halfway full, I'll stick a 12-inch PVC pipe down in the drain. I'll just pump into the live well and just let it automatically drain all the time as I'm pumping. And uh, what few fish I've had in it, I've never lost one, and they've always been kicking when I've uh, got them out. Well, before we go go much into the live well part of it, can we can you talk a little bit about some of the other things for for rigging for on the boat for catfish tournaments? Oh uh, yeah, it depends. Um, you know, everybody says in the summertime, um, leave your anchor at home. Just you know, you don't need it. Just drift fish. But um, I've been in situations before where. You know, you're going to need that anchor even in the summer, so I always bring my anchor with me. Um, you know, electronics is a must these days, especially if you're fishing bodies of water that you haven't grown up around. Uh, you need to know what, you know, depths. You need to be able to find channel edges, and um, you need to be able to find bait fish so you'll know where the, uh, the fish you're targeting are hanging out around the bait fish or whatever. Um, you know, make sure your rods and reels are equipped for the size catfish you're targeting. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to go fish, uh, you know, a catfish tournament with some uh, Zebco 33s if you're going to be fishing on the Tennessee River. Um, but if you go on a, cat, a channel cat tournament and that's all you got, you know, you might want to throw you some 17-pound line on a Zebco 33 and you know, you might can do pretty good just to get out and see how you do. But, um, you know, it's, it's really no fun unless you have the equipment on your boat that's going to handle the size fish that you're targeting because everybody knows uh, sometime in their life they've got a hold of a fish and it's uh, instantly snapped their line and they're like, I wonder what that was. Uh, you know, you don't want to be in that situation. You want to have that equipment on your boat. You want to have that rod and reel. You want to have that line on that rod and reel so when that fish hits again, um, you can get him in the boat and you know what you have. Before, but a little bit, I want to chime in. You, you first started talking about anchors. Um, one thing I suggest is if you're looking to get into catfishing, look at what waters you're, you're going to be fishing. Start get, getting as much research you can in about the types of waters you're going to be fishing in, what kind of bottoms there's going to be, you know, if if you want a good all-around anchor, if you want an anchor that's good for uh, grabbing on rock, if you want one that's good at grabbing on uh, sand or gravel, there's there's different types of anchors out there that are going to do, uh, you know, better in different scenarios. Um, I believe myself and Chuck both have a Cat River anchor. It's, it's a really good all-around anchor that can be... Uh, um, flailed out in, in different, you know, doesn't have to be as wide if you want a good, solid, uh, strong grip in, into some rock or something, but if you got some sand or a muddy bottom, you can uh, take the flanges and, and push them out and get a little uh, better grip into a softer bottom, um, but there's there's other anchor companies like Never Snag, Richter, um, there's lots of different ones out there, uh, pretty much it's you know, do the do like I said the research about what kind of water you're going to be fishing, or if if you just want a good all-around anchor, um, 
you know, and and really look for something that's going to fit you, and then think about the size of boat you have. A uh, different size boat might require a heavier anchor than than what you know one of the companies might offer, so you might need to go something bigger. Um, the type of boat, deep V's, Johns, they're also going to hold a little different with the uh, with anchors. So um, just sort of try to figure out exactly what kind of uh, bottom you're going to be using, um, the current that you're going to be in, the type of boat that you have. Take all those things into consideration when choosing an anchor. Uh, yeah. Also, the length of of your uh, your anchor line. You pretty much want to have. They recommend. I think it's three times the uh, depth of whatever you're anchored in. So, say you're in 20 foot of water. They say you should have 60 foot of rope out. Um, I myself don't always go by that rule, but you know that's that's the recommended thing to do there. So most of the time, most guys have. 100, even 200 foot of rope on their boat with their anchor. A uh, good thing also to keep it up on the front of the boat, keep it all organized. Uh, you can go to like a Tractor Supply or Royal King or something like that, and they have uh, plastic round bowl things that you can throw your anchor rope and your anchor in and keep it all up in there and out of the way and as organized as possible, or even a bucket. Some people put it all in a bucket and throw it in there. But go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, I use... Uh... A, a milk crate, which you know, water can drain right out, and uh, it does really good. Also, um, I suggest you know to um, go purchase a couple of different size drift socks and, and get out and play with them and learn how to use them. Um, they will really help, if it, you know, especially fishing lakes. Um, you never know what the weather's going to do. You know, they they'll say there's not going to be any wind and um, you know, they never know what the conditions are going to be, especially on a lake. Uh, you know, most time a lake uh, seems like it generates wind, especially when you get up on the, the bigger lakes like Gunner's Bull, um, you know, Wilson and Wheeler. Um, you know, if a five-mile-an-hour breeze, you know, it can it can start picking up some big swells. <clears throat> and, you know, it's, it's hard to anchor down in the lakes, especially when the wind's blowing the opposite direction. And uh, you know, and you can't afford a trolling motor at the time. But really, um, you know, a trolling motor is the way to go, especially when the uh, water temperature is up above, you know, 50, 55 degrees. Um, instead of just trying to find the fish and uh, you know, sitting on them and trying to catch them out of a so-called hole or whatever. Uh, you can actually maneuver around and you know drift around and try to find the fish and go to them instead of waiting on them to come to you, which you know it helps me a lot better. Um, there's been some good trolling motors come out lately. Um, you know, Motor Guide has one that has a little remote control and you know 55 pound thrust, 70 pound thrust. Ben has got you know, the co-pilot, the iPilot. Um, since I purchased the iPilot, I saved up for it forever. Uh, just, you know, things like that aren't cheap, and they just don't grow on trees. Um, I don't think I can do without the iPilot fishing anymore because I'm I'm so used to it. And they have a, a feature on there called Spot Lock, um, and you can, you know, if you're drift fishing and you come up on a spot where you're getting a lot of hits. Um, 
you know, you can hit spot lock and you can stay in that little, you know, five, 10 foot general vicinity and, um, you know, see what bites you're going to get. If you don't get any, you can take off trolling again. <clears throat> if, if a fish starts, you know, going after, starts taking your line down while you're drifting, you can just hit the spot lock, you know, instead of him keep chasing it down, you can just sit for a minute, see if he's going to take it. But, uh, that's a really good feature that, um, that does not really break the bank. You know, you have to save up for it. Um, but that's a, a really, that's probably the biggest asset I have in my boat now is the iPilot. It's not linked to the electronics, nothing fancy like that. It's just, um, you know, a little bit more advanced than a co-pilot. You can save a few tracks on it, uh, go back and trace those tracks later. Um, but you, you really don't need stuff like that to fish, you know, in the tournaments. It's just... Uh, after you get something like that, you just get spoiled and don't want to fish without it anymore. Yeah, I'm going to jump in there on that a little bit since I, I am sponsored by Hummingbird, and I have a lot of the uh, their top-end gadgets that basically that they have out, I have on my boat right now um, with the iPilot Link being one, uh, the Tarova. The uh, I have the 80-pound the Tarova. I had the, one, the 101 before. I have 1199 Fish Finder, um, the 360. A lot of these things, you don't have to have them to tournament fish. And, and just because I have them, I'm not going out there and winning all the time. I mean, it's something where it really does take a lot of time on the water with them and a lot of sitting at home watching videos, learning, reading about what these electronics and things can do. Um, because you're only, you know, you're only as good as, as what you know about it. If you don't know how to use any part of it, then you kind of wasted your money buying it. You know, if you're not utilizing that equipment correctly, then then you, you might as well not even have bought it. So, it, and it really does take a long time. I mean, I've had 1198 and 1199 going on two and a half years, and I still can't say that I know everything that it does. Um, but some of the, some of the, I guess what I would say after after really if I decided I was really going to get into tournament fishing, one of the things that I would say that I would recommend that anybody that's serious into it get would be a uh, like a Tarova with an iPilot, the the remote controlled uh, um, trolling motor system. You know, remote controlled trolling motor system makes catfishing, especially you know trolling, drifting. Um, which are both very well used techniques in in the catfishing tournament world, um, a whole lot easier. Now, you know, when you take it and you go advanced beyond just the regular trolling, and you get into things like I was talking about with the 1199 and the iPilot Link with my Tarova, um, there's things like Follow the Contour, um, which is basically it'll show you on an HD map or or uh, on your hum on your fish finder, your hummingbird fish finder, it'll have a contour line, and it'll show you like the 10 foot ledge and the 20 foot ledge, or 15 foot ledge and the 20 foot ledge and the 25 foot ledge. You can tell your fish finder, I want to run right along across that 20 20 uh, foot ledge, and basically just keep it there. And you can tell it, you know, I want it to go this direction, I want it to go this fast. So all I, I mean, pretty much you can instead of sitting there and foot controlling a, a trolling motor to keep you in, you know, an area that you hope is the right area, 
your fish finder shows you that exact area where that ledge is at. Your your trolling motor basically computes everything, does everything for you, drives itself, automatically pilots itself at the exact speed that you want to go. So if you want to be uh, drifting at point eight miles an hour, you can tell it you know, cruise control point eight miles an hour on follow the contour on this twenty five foot line. It takes you down that line. Now what I do is I go and I if I'm looking for fish, I go starting at the bank and just work my way out until I start marking fish on the fish finder. If I seen, you know, no fish at five feet, seen no fish at ten feet, start seeing fish at fifteen feet, get out to twenty, twenty five feet, stop not seeing fish again, I'll probably drift that fifteen foot ledge for a while and see how that does for me. Uh but yeah, as far as the electronics, the 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 iPilot, the the handheld remote controlled uh, um, trolling system um, is is almost mandatory in my book. And I know there's there's uh, for Mincota, there's two two of the brands that you'd probably come across would be a uh, PowerDrive and a Tarova. Um, there's a little bit of difference in the in the power drive and the Tarova. I know one is the deployment system. Uh, the deployment system on Tarova is a lot easier than the power drive. The power drive works. It's just it takes a little, you know, getting used to and some muscle and figuring out how to get that thing to deploy down. And it's a little, it's, it locks in a lot tighter than what the Tarova does, but it's a little stiffer getting out. So, um, as far as the other features, um. It's not it's not as much much difference. I, I mean I like I said I prefer Tarova just for that, but uh they are mighty expensive, but like I said, they're one of the things that are almost key and fundamental in, in tournament fishing now. But go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, um you know drift socks, anchoring, um you know, and you a good trolling motor. It just depends on, you know, how you're going to fish that day, um, the time, you know, the time of the year, and um, you know, if you're going to be fishing a river, a lake, you know, whatever. Um, a lot of times, you know, we'll we'll get out on the uh, Tennessee River. The wind will be blowing, you know, 15 miles an hour. Big swells. It's blowing upriver, so you know, currents pull spin your boat around um, you know you can use your drift socks to uh, deploy out the back of uh, the current to keep your boat pulled straight um, you know and it'll help the, the current of you know fight that wind and keep you from blowing around um, I, you know I've tried to use that two anchor thing um, it's always turned out bad I never like using a, a back anchor at all. I really don't like anchoring at all if I can keep from it. But um, a lot, what I've been doing mostly now since I've, you know, got the spot lock is just instead of, you know, controlled anchoring or precision anchoring where I'll find a location, you know, that I think is holding fish. And, um, you know, if I, you know, during the winter time and I'm, I'm will cast out on them now I just you know use my spot lock and you know I'll just ho hover over those areas which is a lot better um, but you know I've seen a lot of guys you know drift fishing uh, using the hand controlled trolling motors they don't you know I had one 
uh, for a long time that seemed to work great. As long as you got, you know, if you've got your rod spread out on the boat, which you want, don't want them too close together anyway. And, uh, you know, m most guys only use four to six rods. So, you know, if you got one guy in the back of the boat, one guy in the front, um, you know, a hand-controlled trolling motor does fine to get you around. Uh, you may have to mount a unit up front so you can see, you know, what your uh, your Navionics stay on your contour lines or whatever. But, um, you know, if, if you just need something to get started, I, I much prefer hand-controlled over a foot pedal any day. Now, what would you – now, uh, talking about boat rigging a little bit more, um, how, how would you say you, you set up your rod holders? Uh, like, do you think it's a necessity to have a rod rack across the back of the boat or? No, I, I, uh, I don't like rod racks at all. I, I have a, a, a larger T-bar, which – uh, it don't stick out much further than the width of my motor. Uh, it comes up about as tall as my motor, and I've got it moved in on my deck enough to where when I tilt my motor back, uh, the motor don't touch it because I have got to get to the back corners of my boat very quick. I don't need a rod rack in the way. I don't need to... Uh, you know, have to pass rods under a rod, under a rod, all that stuff. So, um, you know, I I have the, the T-bar in the middle. Uh, then I have my two uh, corner locations. And then I move up the boat, you know, four feet, five feet. I've got two more locations. And then i got two more locations uh, on the front third of the boat. Now, what I see a lot of the guys in my neck of the woods, you know, you go to a tournament, you're going to see typically six rod holders either on a rod rack or some, some you know, spread across the whole back of the, of the boat. Um, then you're going to see a multitude of between five and six rod holders up each side, you know, to the front. Um, and, and a lot of guys, you know, the way the, what they're doing there is – giving themselves a nice spread like for your saying you don't want you don't want too many rods um, close to each other because when you're drifting your 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 point uh, is to cover as much water and drag those baits across the biggest space of water as possible because you're trying to find those feeding fish so if you've got you know rods three feet apart going across one whole side of the boat and your boat's 18 foot long you might be covering uh, 24 25 foot of water you know, with a complete spread of drifting down that ledge, whereas if you just put like two roll or two rods off the back and you're trolling or something, you're you're really only covering about you know four four or five foot of water. Yeah, and uh, you know you got to think your you know your rods are you know let's say eight foot long, uh, your boat's eight foot wide, so you know from from tip to tip, from side to side, you know it's twenty five foot. Um, so that's about the furthest your rods are apart. Um, you know, down the side of your boat, uh, when you're drifting, um, the slight differences in your bait can make a pretty good difference. Um, but the big key is make sure you use the same amount of sinkers uh, and weight on every pole uh, because you don't want... Um, 
you know, some heavy sinkers straight down in the back or down river or, uh, you know, in the direction that you're drifting. And then you've got some, you know, some light sinkers that are able to swing back into your other line. So you want to make sure that, you know, everything's got the same amount of weight on them. Also, the, the, the type and diameter of line will, will make a difference on how those, uh, you can have the same weight even on, but have a smaller diameter line, and that line might actually uh, cut through the water a little better, hold, hold a little straighter than something that's a little thicker might. So. Yeah, correct, and your bait also. You can have, you can have a large head on one, and you can, you can have a big you know, chunk of stake on another, and you can have the exact same uh, sinker weight, same size line and everything, and you'll be able to tell a big difference uh, in the drag on that bait. Uh, so, you know, you want to keep those rods spread out and around the boat uh, when drifting um, because, you know, you're, you're 30 you know, 30, 35, 40 foot down sometimes when you're on these channel edges or, um, you know, out in the channel edge. When you're up in the flats, you know, fishing 12, 15 foot, it's not as critical. But <clears throat> when them big blues hit at, you know, 30, 35 feet, he can have every rod in your boat wrapped up in, in a matter of 30 seconds. It don't take him but a minute to do it. So, um, you know, you want to be able to, you know, try to get them things spread out as far as possible. It's still going to happen, but um, a lot of times when I drift, uh, I only use four poles. Yeah. For that for that reason, and I'll put, you know, I'll put uh, two up front and uh, two in the back, and sometimes, you know, he, they still make a run and get you tangled up if you can't uh, turn him around in time. Yeah. Uh, um, just try to try to get off boat rigging here in a few, but I got a couple more things that you probably want to have in the boat if you're going out tournament fishing. Have a have a multitude of knives um, out and about, especially if you're going to be in a, in any sort of river with good current. You want to have a knife up by an anchor rope. Um, there's times where stuff can get very hairy very quick, and you might need to cut that anchor rope before. Say a tree grabs a hold of your anchor rope line and it's going to pull the front of your boat down. It ain't trying. You don't have time to try to pull that anchor and get it out. You just need to cut it. You need to have a knife uh, handy. Uh, most most points of your boat, you know, try to keep a knife around. Um, as far as uh, other things on the boat that that you you definitely want to have. Uh, I like to keep a lot of pair of. Uh, um, scissors. <laughs> I keep a pair of scissors both sides of the boat for quick rigging. Um, you know, retying rigs and whatnot. I normally do keep already tied rigs, but you know, trimming off edges and, and stuff when you're tying a knot. Uh, just to be able to grab a pair of scissors that's sitting on both sides of the boat, you know, really quick. Uh, when you're out there fishing in tournaments, a lot of time, you know, time is, you know, time that you don't have a bait in the water is time wasted. So. You can have things that are ready to get you back in the water as soon as possible. Um, that'd probably be the best. Um, let's go ahead and you can talk real quick about uh, the giveaway that you're doing, and then I'll talk a little bit about some of the people that are posted on Catfish Weekly.
So go ahead with that. Yeah, we got these uh, 50 pound Rapala scales. Um, we're giving away two of them at the end of June. All you have to do is post on the Catfish Weekly group or the Catfish Weekly uh, fan page. And, um, you know, just put a picture of you holding a fish up there and, you know, just say, looky, looky what I got or whatever. Show your kids uh, holding some fish. And we're just going to pick a couple random people and send these scales to them. All right, and there, yeah, we've had quite a few people that have posted on the site. Um, Darren Fuller posted. Austin Tibbetts have posted. He's he's got some nice blues. He posted some pictures of uh, Josh and his son Dalton um, Hackathorn. Uh, Dalton got his first little flathead. Posted a picture over there. Does a good job on that. Um, Robert Jackson also mentioned that he loves drinking his coffee and watching Catfish Weekly. So uh, we appreciate that. Robert, um, probably ain't nothing better, I, I would have to say. <laughs> but uh, we want to thank everybody there that's that's posting on the Catfish Weekly. I'm sure there's plenty more that I posted on there. These are just a few of the random ones that I picked here, here recently posted. Um, so, again, we appreciate you guys watching the show. We hope to keep it going for a long time. You guys got anything uh, you want to see on here, just let us know. And uh, keep posting the pictures and posting some stories and stuff on the Catfish Weekly Facebook page. We appreciate it. Um, going on, we're going to talk a little bit now about the live wells. Um, and before we get going here, I'm going to do a screen share. Just to sort, I know that, that Chuck had already talked a little bit about the different kinds of... Woo! To Millennium. All right, catfish live wells. You're going to see on my screen here for the Google images, you type in catfish live well. Um, a lot of what I make is this first one here, which is a truck box. You can go get them at Tractor Supply Company. You can buy them off Craigslist. The, normally, the used ones off Craigslist, you're going to need to do a lot of cleaning uh, to get those to work. But, you know, the new ones, the new ones are better, so you can get one that's... Uh, Normally about, they're a little more expensive, they're $200 or so um, for those 45, 55 and they're normally about 20, 25 inches wide and deep, uh, but they make, I think, an excellent live well. Um, you, can, you can permanently mount uh, pumps into and out of, and they do take up a lot of space in a boat, but then again, for tournament catfishing, just about every live well that you're going to use is going to take up a good amount of space. Um, the other options that you have are something like this right here, which is a uh, like a horse trough. This is a 100-gallon. Um, is that what you call it, Chuck, is a horse trough? Or? Yeah, stock tank. Stock tank, yeah, 100-gallon stock tank. About an 80-gallon um, stock tank is, is about minimum for what I'd say. I mean, because you're not going to fill these all the way to the top. I mean, you never should need to fill them all the way. Uh, because that's going to be a lot of weight, and also if you get going up and down the river with any speed whatsoever, you hit any wake, a lot of that water is going to be all over the place. Uh, so normally you fill them up about halfway. You can do different things, put um, filters on them, inline filters like an Aqualung or, or you know, building your own type of filter that would work for it, but you can do it 
two ways. You know, you, a lot of guys will take that stock tank and they'll put the they'll build a lid like this guy here has done a wood lid for them, so they can use these also as a bait tank. You know, for uh, their bait when they're uh, when they're getting ready for tournaments, and then when they catch the fish, they throw them in there with the bait. Uh, some guys will take those um, those hoses or PVC pipe, and they'll run them on the inside and drill the holes in them to run like a spray bar. I myself have not found that to be a very effective method of aeration. Um, matter of fact, this picture here is a video of mine in my garage from one of the first ones that I made. But uh, you can you can actually go and have a custom live well made for your dimensions uh, to fit there. But there's a lot of boat companies out there now that are starting to make uh, catfish tournament ready boats that are 80 to 100 gallon uh, live wells in them. So the other option that you can do is a cooler, like a 150 quart cooler, uh, even a 120 quart cooler, depending on what type of catfish you're going for. If you're going for like channels or something. You know, 120 quart cooler might do all right. I'd probably say about 150 quart cooler be the minimum for a live well. Uh, you can normally go to about any Walmart and get that 150 quart cooler for, I want to say 60 or 70 dollars. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, yeah, you can just basically drill a, a uh, for a pump in. You can have one pump or you can have a two pump system. There's the one pump system would be. Um, you know, basically where you could drop a pump off the side of the boat that has been well um, electric, you know, all the electric wires and everything have been sealed and, and they're good to drop off the side of the boat with a long hose and, and run the water into the bait tank or live well. And then up at the top of the live well, you could have just a, uh, a hose that with a, a run through that would drain out, you know, so that way you could keep it running and it would automatically drain out. And then you can take the uh, hose and put it on the inside of the live well and pump all the water out when you need to get it out faster and do water change that way. It's a little bit slower, but a little bit more cost effective if you're just starting out. Um, or the two pump system, you know, you have one pump that you can drop over the side of the boat or might even be if you've got a boat where you can get to the wires and or to the, to the hoses that are pl plumbed into your existing live wells, you can use that to, to pump in and then another one to pump out. Um, but most of these things you're going to need uh, another 12 volt battery handy or right by that live well to keep that going. Um, if, uh, from what Chuck was talking about a little, little bit earlier about that 95 degree water, um, from what I've seen a lot of guys like to do is you don't want to take um, ice and throw it in there. You, It's better to take like a few frozen two-liter bottles or Gatorade bottles and have them in a cooler or have them, you know, somewhere that keep them frozen until it's time to, you can throw them in that water and cool that water down a little bit and it doesn't cool it down too fast. Um, let's see here. But, yeah, if there's anything else that you want to throw in there on the live wells, you can go ahead, Chuck. Well, I made mine a, um, you know, a continuous drain. I have, um, you know, where the the drain is on the bottom of the stock tank. I just, uh, I screwed on a, you know, a 90-degree PVC fitting. 
and um, you know what, whatever, however much water I want in my live well. Um, I didn't glue my my ninety. I just take whatever length piece of PVC I stick it in there, and I have one cut it. You know, six inches, eight inches, twelve inches, and I just leave them floating in the bottom of the live well. And you know, if I need more water, you know, I just pull it out. You know, stick another one in there real quick, and just you know, get my level that way. And you know, I'm continuously pumping water in, and it's continuously draining out. And it, it seems to be working pretty good for now. And on my pump, I have, uh, on the outlet of a pump, I drilled a hole going toward the outlet on the outer flange at a 45-degree angle. I took a piece of rubber tube, and I stuck in that hole. And I, and I took that small piece of hose, and I leave it hanging out of the live well. When that water pumps out the uh, outlet of that pump, it pulls air through that small hose, which gets a lot more air pumping in with your water, and it helps uh, put a lot more oxygen in your water that way. That's a quick, easy way I read up doing it, and I gave it a try, and it works really good. I'll have to, I, at some point, I'll probably take some pictures and stuff of how I did mine. Um, both of my last live wells, I've used the uh, power bubbler. It's the 12 volt power bubbler. It has two outputs on it, and I run two of those. Uh, they're like a micro stone that puts out a lot of fine bubbles and in, in, into the water, which is is that air. And I keep that anytime I have fish, uh, even my bait, you know, my bait fish in that live well, I can just turn that on, and it uses very little juice. Um, and and I can keep fish alive, you know, for quite a long time using that power bubbler that has the two stones on. And I keep one stone on each end of the tank. Um, there there are a lot of people that do a, a recirculating system too, and that could be used with that spray bar that I was talking about earlier. Now, like I said, I don't I I used it at once and I stopped doing it, so I don't do that anymore. But you know, if we're if we're talking just getting started into catfishing, you know, there's your basic things that you're going to need are going to be your your live well and and I would say again do your research on what type of water you're you're going to be tournament fishing if you're going to be fishing um, a lot of tournaments you know and you know that you're going to be fishing where where uh, the water where big fish are at you know you're talking 30 pound fish or so you're going to need something like I said that 80 80 uh, gallon or bigger size and you're going to want um, to make sure that you're able to keep that water cool and keep that water clean, especially if you have if you if you use that bait tank at all for shad or anything like that. Shad put off a lot of uh, scales and stuff into the water, and and they, it probably you probably couldn't even put too many in there and keep them keep them alive in there at the same time anyway without a very good uh, micro filter. Uh, but for things like that, you definitely want to 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 plan out accordingly, and then get the size of live well. If you, if it's just going to be a few or a few tournaments here and there on the lakes nearby, and it's mostly just channel catfish and occasional flathead, you know, a 150 quart cooler might be what's best for you to get started and cheaper and and to get your feet wet in the tournament. And uh, yeah, we got Ron Streeter in the in the chat said that the spray bar will clog up a lot on you, which it does. It does do that. Um, 
but yeah, like I said, the 150 quart cooler. If you're just going to do local t channel cat tournaments and stuff like that, it should be just fine. Um, you could pop that in the front of the boat in a lot of boats, in the back of the boat. It's got a lot of places it could it could sit at. Normally, plenty of water in there, and and most live wells in, in your in your boats today, you know, not being a, a tournament catfish specific boat, isn't going to have anything bigger than a than a probably a 40 or 50 gallon live well. Most of them are going to be 40 or under, and that might even be good for a few fish. But I would still say get a, get yourself a bigger live well, um, like like a cooler, because they're just a little. I think the design, the layout, the the width of them will be a little better than those 40 gallon live wells that are built in the boats. Uh, but definitely don't um, overspend on on something that if, if you don't know if it's for you or whatever. Uh, as far as you know, tournament catfishing goes. You know, get into a few tournaments. Try to see if it, if it's something that you're really enjoying. If you like doing it, uh, talk to the guys. I would say most likely, if you get into it, you're going to enjoy it because most catfish guys are real easy to talk to. They have a good time. You know, it, and tournament catfishing isn't sitting out in the boat and you know going to sleep and drinking a beer. That's that's not how it goes. I mean, if if you're really ser seriously uh, tournament catfishing, you're you're not sitting in any spot for any more than 45 minutes. Some guys won't even sit in a spot for any more than 20 minutes. You know they're constantly moving, they're constantly changing baits, they're constantly trying to figure out where the where the fish are at, or where the big fish are at, or where a flathead is at, or you know depending on what they're going for and what you're doing, you have to work uh, if you want to do it if you want to do any any good. Unless you just sitting there catching fish, all kinds of fish, you normally are going to be moving quite a bit. So, But you never want to leave fish to find fish is what is what I've always been told to do and or not to do. And uh, I don't know if Chuck, are you locked up or are you? I think we lost Chuck. <laughs> but uh, uh, also, uh, real quick, I'll talk about a culling system. If, if you're going to do tournaments where you're fishing and catching a lot of channel cats, things like that, a culling system is something that you probably want to have in the boat and, and keep handy. Um, a culling system you can get at like Bass Pro Shops. They have them already made up. It's basically a clip. has a little notebook in it where you can write, uh, you know, with each color clip. There's ten clips. All have a different color. You can write like the purple clip fish. You clip it on his lip and that fish was two and a half pounds and write it in your notebook and then you can look in your uh, your live well, grab whichever one your, your smallest fish is, take that clip out, uh, put that clip in the next fish that you caught and then change the, the weight up in your little notebook and keep track of your weights that way. Um, I, I will tell you this, that I fished a tournament with 108 boats this year where I lost first place by four ounces. Um, I had 30-something fish in my live well, and I just eyeballed them and picked out 10 of my fish that I thought were the good size and and uh, pretty much ended up losing first place by four ounces. And I, I went back to my live well, and I know that I had four or five fish that were bigger than some of the fish that I had weighed in. So if I'd have had a coaling system for that tournament, I, I would have won first place for sure. So it is something that... You know, it's worth the investment. They're normally only 30 or 40 bucks or, or even cheaper, and you can even make homemade versions, I'm sure, if you look on Google and do a homemade coaling system. 
uh, you'd find some different ideas to do there. Um, yeah, also uh, Ron had a good comment about the if you're using that cooler as a live well, keep that cooler lid cracked a little bit. You got to remember that the uh, oxygen that is released from the water, the or the, uh, the carbon monoxide that's released from water. I don't, know, I don't know, but whatever it is, it will build up in the lid and in the air pocket of that cooler, and will also uh, kill off the fish because that air is not being refreshed. And and uh, so you want to make sure that cooler lid is cracked or opened every once in a while and get some fresh air in there. Um, maybe even drill drill some holes in the top of it, um, something like that just to help uh, keep the air circulated that's in there. Um, I believe there's some there's a lot more that we can go into on live wells. Um, there's adding oxygen infusers, you know, small oxygen tanks that people put on their boat to help keep them alive, salt, uh, a lot of different other things that are more advanced. Um, but I think we're going to go ahead and call that good for this show tonight. Um, I'll go ahead and let you guys know again that at, while each one of us individually are sponsored, the show itself um, isn't sponsored by any pro uh, product or company or anything like that. You know, we're basically just trying to help spread information on catfishing and, and have a good time and, and get people uh, interested in it and and really just not not have all the politics and everything. You know, as, as far as in the catfishing world, there's a lot of things going on. Um, it looks like we got Chuck back here, but um, again, we do have some advertising space on catfishweekly.com. Uh, it's $50 for six months and $30 for three months, and you pretty much can, if you don't have the image, we can help you. I can help you get, get an image made for your company and get that put up on there. Uh, we want to thank Indiana Hunter and Black Horse Custom Rods right now are our, our, uh, two advertisers that we have on the site right now. So go, make sure you, you support our sponsors. Go check out their sites. Indiana Hunter's uh, um, just posting videos of, of catfishing and hunting and things like that in the state of Indiana. Uh, they're doing a lot of things right now, and he's a good guy. So uh, go, give, go give them a visit and subscribe to him on YouTube, things like that. Uh, again, uh, Black Horse Custom Rods, Lyle, um, on the show here, great guy, makes the best rods out there, best custom rods you could get for your money, so um, go check out his website, you know, if you, if you think you want to get a custom rod made, call him up, he'll get you set up for what you need, he won't just sell you something that he doesn't think is going to be right for you, so get it all customized just for you. Um, so I'm basically just closing out here, Chuck. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to go over before we go? Go ahead and do your closing statement. Yeah, I just want to remind everybody, uh, Alabama Catfish Trail, uh, we're going to be on Hoyt Lake July 12th. It's going to be a night tournament from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. Um, we're going to be launching out of Birchfield State Park. Um, it's, it's a really good fishery. The... Um, the, the current 120-pound uh, Blue Cat State record that just came out there a couple years ago. There's been some really nice fish coming out of there, so I hope we have a, uh, a pretty good participation on this. 
Um, if you want any more information, you can just go to Alabama Catfish Trail on Facebook, and uh, everything you need to know is on there. That all you got? Yeah, that'll be it. I, I want. I also wanted to make a quick note that uh, Troy Jens, a guy, he's a cameraman and a good guy that I met down in Alabama when I went down to fish with Jonathan Herndon on catfish, um, maximum catfishing. Uh, I got to meet Troy Jens. Well, he's he's ended up gone missing about a week and a half ago. Um, he's not been seen or heard from. Everybody's hoping that he's okay, and and I want to put it out there that you know we're hoping for the best outcome on this. We hope Troy's found safe and and uh, everything turns out good. And you know we're here for you. If there's anything we can do, let us know. Um, besides that, I think. Uh, I think we're good, so as I tell you every week, make sure you stay out of my spot. See you next time.